Hello and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magali on a Journey. I'm your host, Magali Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello everybody, welcome to another very special episode of the show. Today we have an extremely special guest on, Cindy Mayeri. You guys have heard me speak about her so much. She's one of my great teachers, a dear mentor of mine, and a very gifted healer. And I'm also really lucky to call her a friend. You guys also know her because she officiated our wedding with Raul last August. So Cindy, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. I'm honored and very happy to be here. (laughs) So we planned this a while ago and we had absolutely no idea that it would be the full moon. Um, So let's get it right into it. Tell us, teach us all about what this full moon that just happened last night was all about. (laughs) Right. So the full moon was last night. Um... It was at 9.30, so some of some people, whenever you're hearing this, you may have seen the full moon. It was very beautiful here in the Bay Area. And the full moon last night was in the sign of Libra, and it was opposite the sun, which is in Aries. So that those two things right off the bat are really kind of an amazing coupling because Aries is about the individual. It is about our autonomy and our independence, Mm -hmm. that energy of spring, of really feeling inside yourself what you want to move forward in your life and go and do in the world. And Libra is about our relationships. Mm -hmm. So how we connect with ourselves, but also how we connect with each other and any of the patterns and habits that we have in relationships. And so the sun being the solar energy, the yang energy, was in the sign of Aries and independence and the self, and the moon, the very yin, more um, soft, more inter- internal energy was in that sign of relationship. Mm. So um, also at the same time as the full moon, the sun was sitting with Jupiter and Chiron. Jupiter is the planet of abundance and joy and wisdom and learning and travel and excitement to learn and travel. And Chiron is known as the wounded healer or the teacher, the very wise teacher who can guide us in our healing. So this full moon is also about being able to check in with our healing process. Mm -hmm. It is not just for healers, it's for everyone. It's about feeling held by the wise teacher within ourselves and of course those wise practitioners and teachers that we have in our lives in our healing process and understanding that some of our deepest challenges, deepest wounds are ongoing. Some of them don't get resolved quickly. So this full moon speaks specifically to that about these things in our lives that maybe we feel like are a longer process, that we haven't found a sense of fully healing from them quite yet. And maybe it's a longer journey than we ever anticipated. And maybe there is something in our life where we feel like we might never fully, fully come to an end of the healing. And Chiron and Jupiter together remind us that getting to the end point is not always the point of healing. Mm -hmm. That healing, of course, is a journey and a process of learning, Mm -hmm. of learning about ourselves, of learning those deeper points of wisdom, of understanding ourselves in ways we would never without these challenges, and meeting people and forming connections in life that we wouldn't have if we didn't have these challenges in our life, that there is so much wisdom in our challenges, our deepest wounds, our deepest areas, where we feel that we struggle. Mm. They end up connecting us in ways that are very profound and wonderful. And they end up teaching us about compassion, Mm -hmm. a great amount of compassion for ourselves. The more we understand through the healing process about ourselves, 
the more we understand what others are going through and have compassion for what they are going through as well. Knowing that we are all actually all one and all connected and we are already whole even as we are on the process of healing. That we're not waiting for the healing to be over to know that we are whole. The full moon speaks to the fact that we are already whole and complete even as we continue to evolve and heal and grow. So that's why we're, we're meeting today and it's no accident that we're meeting today, I feel like. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's so many things that you were saying that I was going like check, check, check in my mind um, that really resonate with me and especially the part about being more compassionate towards ourselves in order for us to be able to have that compassion for others. Even... Yeah, I'm seeing that as a theme a lot around me, whether it's just relationships or friendships or even some of the clients that I work with one-on-one. <sighs> well, everybody just got to see some of your amazing wisdom. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, but astrology is one of the many tools that you have in your toolbox. I'd love it if maybe we back up a little and you could talk a little about your journey and how you got to be where you are today. Well, it's so interesting as so often happens when you start to look back on your life, you realize that maybe you are always interested in the things you're doing now. It's just that you didn't have a name for them or you didn't know anything about how that was going to manifest. But mm, as a child, I was fortunate enough to um, get into a gymnastics program when I was very young, five years old. And also started dancing, um, taking dance classes when I was six years old. So I was very physically active, loved it. And um, around that same time too, uh, I remember that my grandmother had asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was around four or five or six. And I said, I think I want to be a nurse because um, I, I think it was one of the only ways that I saw that women were in the workforce and, and helping people and had something to do with healing and health and, and wellness. So she made me a little nurse's cap to wear in my head. <laughs> so I know. Um, but I was very active and I was experiencing, you know, a sprained ankle or injuries along the way, smaller ones mostly. I did break an, a bone in my foot when I was 12 and in gymnastics. Um, but I went on to continue with dancing especially. I stopped with gymnastics when I was about 14, but continued on with dance because I really loved dancing. Went to college for dance. And when I was 19, I ended up experiencing a herniated disc in my low back. It was We were learning how to work backstage at a performance, and I lifted a stage weight, and my back mm. just went, and I fell to the floor. And luckily, I was in this amazing program of dance at the University of Illinois. And um, first I went to all the doctors, had all the tests, got the diagnosis. And one of the first doctors that I had the consult with after the diagnosis was a man sitting behind a desk in a white coat. And he said to me, well, what are you gonna do with your life now that you can never do anything physical ever again? And I think I just looked at him like with total confusion. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what now? I just literally walked into your office. <laughs> yes, I have some pain, but. Um, so he continued to talk and I honestly don't remember anything else that he said because I think I was in my mind just like, I do not even understand what you are saying to me, you know? So um, I then went, he, he referred me to some physical therapy. And so I went to some physical therapy and after a few weeks of physical therapy, which was um, a little bit helpful at the time, I was discharged and they told me that they couldn't figure out why I still had pain in my back, that maybe I just was walking in a way that was causing problems. And so it seemed to me like they also didn't understand what yeah. was happening. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, well, that's not the answer. And I'm so fortunate. I had this teacher in college who not only was she is she a dance teacher, she's still teaching, uh, but she is an expert in Alexander technique, which is a bodywork technique that is all about 
alignment in the body and really learning how to move with ease and flow and without effort and muscling and unlearning a lot of the patterns that we had learned in our basic movement when, when we were growing up from the time we start to crawl, we start to learn patterns. So unlearning some unhelpful patterns that may have contributed and relearning how to move and be in our body. And so I started studying with her and I, I took a college course in Alexander Technique and Feldenkrais Technique, which are very similar, different but similar techniques. And within the, within the course of about a quarter, so what is that, three months or four months of this class, I completely changed how I moved oh, wow. through these very easeful, um, very subtle shifts. So I was studying in the class with her. So I changed everything from how I walk to how I would sit and stand from a chair to mm -hmm. how I would bend over to reach to get something. And I was a dancer. I, I was moving for my whole life, but I was completely changing things at the core mm -hmm. of how I moved. And it made me a, such a better dancer. It's still serving me today, um, everything that I learned back then. And I, com I completely healed in my lower back. My, my disc completely healed. That's amazing. Yeah. So I went on to dance through college and dance professionally for a year in San Francisco as well. Does that mean that I never have any pain in my low back or, or that my low back never talks to me or lets me know when I'm not moving quite right for it. Absolutely, my low, my low back is full of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> and it also asks me to take care of it every mm -hmm. single day. So for me, what that original injury taught me, because I actually had a lot of pain for many months afterward before I started working with my teacher. And what it really taught me was to slow down, number one, and start really listening to my body to start noticing the whispers before they become screams before it becomes pain before it becomes something that's debilitating to really really check in with what I'm doing mm. every day and to have this kind of ongoing gentle conversation with my body I think that is when I really started to learn mm. how to do that and it also taught me the power of meditation that being still and quiet was a really important part, not just the moving part. Yeah. <laughs> that moving our bodies is very important, but also being still mm. and listening. Uh, so that's about the time that I actually, I started really meditating as well. Mm. So there was a whole lot of learning going on amidst this process that was actually quite challenging, and I didn't know if I would be able to continue to dance, especially professionally. There was a lot of uncertainty during the time. But again, I'm so lucky to have had such great teachers in that moment, just the right ones for me, to start to show me a different way mm. and to show me that healing was possible and that also healing didn't mean that I never ever had to think about it ever again. Right. Like both of those things I think were key. Yeah, and that those can be true at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's, I think that's what got me started on the path. When I came to San Francisco and helped start a dance company here, um, we were able to do several performances within one year. And it was in the third performance, I think, where we were doing the bows. Everything had gone wonderfully. We were doing the bows and on the bow, I heard a very distinct voice that said, this has been really wonderful and not what you're really meant to do. Mm. And I stood up from the bow and was like, wow, okay. And we're still in front of the audience, you know, and we had another bow. So on the next bow, I said to my inner self, I said, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> stood up and there was no more words. There was no more words. Mm. I love that you had that moment in the mix of a loud and big crowd Personally, I've had these moments, but they've always been in the really quiet, maybe post-meditation or yoga or, yeah, in, in those quiet moments. And it's kind of beautiful to also hear that you can have those amongst some of these louder, big crowd and, and moments. Well, what I know now, looking back, is that we were at the end of a dance performance, so I was in an altered state. Mm. I was in more like probably an alpha-theta state of being. Yeah. 
you know, I was definitely in that post-performance kind of high right. in the zone. And so I know now, looking back, that my body's energy was in that really flow state. Yeah. So I was able to hear mm. an actual kind of internal verbal message, you know. Mm. Um, so I listened to it because it was so powerful for me. It yeah. was a very powerful message. And so over the next few weeks, I kept checking in like, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> Is it, do you have any more words for me? And there were no more words. So I just started listening, really listening to my, to my heart. And I realized, okay, if I don't know exactly what I do want to do or what's next, what am I sure of? And I was dating someone at the time who lived in New York, who's now my husband. <laughs> um, and I thought, well, I do know that I want to be with this person. So I'm going to move to New York. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue dancing at all, but I know there's a lot of dance happening there. And if I'm not really meant to dance as my, my main thing, I can at least enjoy dance while I'm there if I want to. So I moved to New York about three weeks after that. Mm, wow. Mm -hmm. And it took a little while. Some other life things happened. We got engaged. We were living our lives. But I was in sort of figuring myself out and just, just like waiting tables and doing things in the meantime. And I finally realized, you know, I'm so interested in body work because of my experience healing with my body. I'm interested in meditation. I'm interested in body work. I'm going to apply to massage school here. There's just one that looks really great. And they have shiatsu and they have some other kinds of massage besides just therapeutic and sports massage. It feels like a step in the right direction. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. And the application process was very, very smooth. They accepted me right away. I got in in the next term. Like everything was really smooth. So it was another sign to me that, okay, this yeah. is a good step. The first day of class was with this teacher, Tom Banajak, who you've heard me speak about mm -hmm. many times. It was shiatsu class. First morning, first day of class. And the first thing we did was he said, hello, my name is Tom. Let's all just um, get on the floor in a little meditation position and we'll do about 10 minutes of just silent meditation and breathing. And I sat down and within a couple of minutes, I just knew this is where I'm supposed to be. Hmm. And I'm still in contact with this wonderful teacher to this day, almost 30 years later. He's been an amazing um, teacher and mentor and human being and healer in my life. I'm so grateful for him. Um, he's one of the main teachers that I, I consider my main teachers, yeah. Mm. So I would say that how I got into this originally was through that, um, that initial injury in my low back as a very, very wise teacher and then some human teachers along the way that really <laughs> showed me what healing is really all about. Mm. That's beautiful. And so... It's interesting because the way that I got to know you, so um, thanks to one of my co-founders, Tommy, who gifted me a session with you. And it's interesting because today, if I ever refer somebody to you or talk about what you do, I really focus a lot on the Reiki and the sound healing piece. I don't actually talk that much about the Shiatsu and the massage. Um, but so today you've built a company, Harmony Body Work and Energy Therapies, and you include all of those modalities throughout a session. So how did we get from dance to shiatsu to then including sound healing and reiki into it? Okay, so yeah, things evolve, of course, over time. Um, so I was in massage school for about a year. And it, initially I was doing a fair amount of medical massage therapy and just really getting my hands on a lot of people. I worked at a medical massage clinic in New York City where they we would see a client once every hour for like 50 minute sessions. Wow. And people were referred by medical doctors and physical therapists and osteopaths and chiropractors. So it was very quite medical um, focus, I would say. So I did that for about a year and just got my hands on so many people and really um, became more confident in that I could work with different physical conditions mm -hmm. but my interest was always more on the shiatsu and energy work side mm -hmm. of things so i was seeing my teacher tom uh every two weeks for a few years i was i was receiving sessions from him 
always and all he will always do he was doing shiatsu and he was also doing cranial sacral therapy zero balancing some energy stuff i'm not sure has a name to it you know his own unique energy healing things um so i was receiving a lot of energy work and so i found that even as i was working on someone in quote unquote a medical massage which is quite western in its origin as far as body work goes i found myself always looking at the body and looking at the person from a shiatsu perspective, which is a much more holistic perspective. How much stress is in their life? Um, how long have they been dealing with this physical issue? Are they really struggling? Are they, do they have a, a good outlook? Do they have, are they sleeping well? I would start asking questions like this. I would start listening in a very deeper way. And I would, even as I was doing sort of a traditional massage, I was checking in with the energy meridians as I was going. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if that was right or if I should be doing that. Everything seemed so separate at that time is how, that's how we were taught. But it seemed so natural to me that no matter how I was touching the body, that I was going to be paying attention to them as a whole being. Mm -hmm. So whether I was working on a shoulder or a knee or post-surgery or breast cancer or something like that, I was always thinking of them as a whole being. Mm -hmm. So th for the next couple of years, as I was continuing to work and we moved to Colorado and I opened my own practice, I realized I wanted to study the energy work more and more. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine one day said, a, a fellow body worker said, I know of someone who's teaching a Reiki class this weekend. Do you want to go? <laughs> and I didn't really know what Reiki was, but I'd heard of it. And I said, sure. So that's how I met my first Reiki teacher was mm -hmm. a weekend Reiki level one workshop. And she was fantastic, amazing. Her name is Ray Shuford. She's still in Colorado, I believe. And um, I didn't know what it was all about. And it felt um, very different for me at the time because Reiki is not so much about learning intellectually. I found that I wasn't really taking notes on anything and I was a big note taker in, in school. <laughs> um, that I would be like one or two words and then be like, I don't know what else to write here. So, because it wasn't really about the cognitive mind. Yeah, I felt that so much when I did my training with you. And it's interesting because I remember, so I was still at Atlas Go at the time and we did it throughout the weekend. And I remember coming back, I had taken the day off um, Friday to kind of like prepare, but I hadn't taken a day to get back into it, which in hindsight would have been a great idea. Because the first day I was so confused, like I realized that I hadn't used my brain for the whole weekend that I had just been feeling and it was really my heart guiding me through, of course I took a few notes, but I don't really go back to those notes. I just go back to the feeling and yeah, what I learned through, through feeling. It's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, it's very, it was very interesting for me at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think I was about 28 years old or so. Mm -hmm. So this is back in the late 90s. Yeah. And um, it opened up a whole new world for me because what I felt during the sessions, even though the practitioner isn't really moving around or doing very much physically, there's so much beautiful energy flowing and so much healing that was allowed to happen that I was aware of and also that I wasn't consciously aware of, but I could feel that it was happening and it felt safe and it felt calm and it felt like gentle and loving. Even though I could feel a lot of things shifting and moving inside, I knew that I was okay and it was okay. And I always had that feeling after I had a session with Tom, my teacher in New York. To this day, whenever I have a session with him, one of the biggest feelings I have coming out of it is everything is okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like grounded and centered and everything is okay. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a big part of, of healing in general is connecting with that feeling. I resonate so much with that. I remember when I had my first session with you, I think I was at the beginning of kind of this whole journey of exploring and, and beginning the healing and Whenever I would do, because I was also in therapy and other things, there was this kind of like anxiety and fear of what will be uncovered and yeah, this, this fear of the dark and what's coming. And it's something that I never felt with you. It was always, 
just like pure trust and peace and yeah that feeling that everything's gonna be okay <laughs> so for somebody who's maybe never heard about reiki uh, can you talk a little bit more about what it is sure it's really very simple even though it seems very mystical yeah. it seems very mysterious right <laughs> um but it's actually like this beautiful very practical thing so reiki is just a japanese word really that means universal life force and energy it is the life force and energy that is flowing through everything and everyone and we all have it and we all use it all the time whenever we touch someone with love or think of someone with love and care that's reiki energy flowing so for when someone says i'm studying reiki all it really means is that we are tuning ourselves up more and more to the frequency of universal love and life energy like um yeah, just becoming like a tuning fork and strengthening that frequency and that vibration within ourselves. Um, so when we study Reiki, we are focusing on feeling that flow. And then we learn some techniques on how to direct that flow or how to hold space for that flow. We learn about the totality of what healing can be, not by doing something, not so much by doing something, but by being in that space of love and life energy ourselves and providing and holding a space for the other, which is really the doorway to allowing someone for healing, what their body's innate healing energy already knows how to do. And that's what will happen, is whatever their body knows how to do, their body, mind, and spirit together. Mm -hmm. So Reiki is the flow of energy. That if you study Reiki, you learn how to develop that energy more and more. It gets stronger, the frequency gets stronger. Um, we learn how to tap into what we already have innately as humans and as beings on this planet. Mm -hmm. uh, and just learning to work with that in a conscious way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not very mysterious, actually. <laughs> and there's a whole history of, of Reiki and where it came from. It's a very long story. Um, but <laughs> just knowing that it didn't come from one person, no one invented it necessarily. Mm -hmm. People have discovered it through their own healing experiences around the world over eons of time. Yeah. It's been with us since humans have existed and probably before because it really is the life force of the whole universe. So that's in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> that's Reiki. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you can say more about your experiences, either of learning it or yeah. receiving it. For me, being in a session with somebody um, is really a call to presence. And yeah, to be in the moment. I, it also feels really simple. Um, I think I've shared this story in the podcast before how I was in a session with you when the Reiki energy called me. But yeah, that moment felt so natural and it just flowed and it helps me to yeah, really see that it's something that we all have, that we can all have access to and that it can come easily. And just really that coming back to the present moment again and again. And I think receiving the Reiki is just the ultimate letting go for me it's something that yeah I feel so grateful for and it's interesting because at the beginning of this journey I felt a lot of fear around energies and thinking that there could be a bad energy or yeah not knowing what it was going to show me and you know you hear some stories about like being shown the your worst nightmares and all these things and it's totally not that. <laughs> it's really just this completely peaceful, as you said, feeling that everything's going to be okay and trusting and I have a hard time letting go and it's just, yeah, this is like receiving a session is the ultimate letting go for me. And yeah, just receiving beautiful, loving energy. And Reiki can be in a, a complete and entire spiritual practice if you want it to be. That's one thing that Reiki can be if, if it feels right to you. Yeah. Um, that spiritual practice of being present and quiet and listening and feeling the flow of life and love energy. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and I'm excited to get even deeper into it, um, doing the master level certification with you very soon. <laughs> so, all right, you did that um, training, Reiki training weekend in Colorado, loved it, started incorporating that as a part of your practice, and I'm really curious to understanding the sound healing piece. When did that begin and when did you start including it in what you do today? I love this this part. So I had been practicing various kinds of body work and, and Reiki for many years. And we were living in Colorado and we had some cats. And <laughs> one of our cats' name was Jasper, big Maine Coon. And um, I, had a, I had established a nice meditation practice at that point, had a little separate area in our house for it downstairs. And this is a cat who would every morning when I got up, he would, he would come downstairs with me also to the medita meditation room and meditate with me pretty much every day. I would sit down and half close my eyes. I was doing more of a seated meditation at the time. And he would sit down and close his eyes, kind of half closed too, the way cats do. <laughs> and so every day we were doing that. And then when he was around five years old, he started having some health issues and we found out through the vet, through some testing that he had a lesion, kind of like a tumor in his brainstem that was causing him a lot of motor issues. And it could potentially become quite serious. And the regular vets that we were seeing were kind of like, I'm so sorry that your cat is dying. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at this five-year-old, very healthy cat who was having some issues like that. Again, wait, that doesn't quite make sense mm -hmm. to me. And a friend told me about this holistic vet who was working in the mountains. And um, we went to him. And first thing he said was, huh, well, your cat looks pretty alive to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so he did a, a combination of um, some of these essences and molecular um, healing injections and acupuncture and some other things, herbs, things like that. And within a month or two, we got him off the, the prednisone that he had been on. And through within about six months or so, working with this vet and then sound healing, this cat was incredibly healthy, had no symptoms, and lived another four very healthy years mm -hmm. after that. So the way the sound healing came in is that one day after meditating, after his diagnosis, I had a, a little Tibetan bowl that I used to ring during meditation and after meditation. And this day I rang the bowl and my cat put his head in the middle of the bowl. And when it stopped ringing, he put his paw on my knee. And so I rang the bowl again and he put his head in the bowl. And this went on for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then when he was done, he got up and stretched and he walked upstairs, you know. <laughs> and this happened every morning for several weeks. Like after a couple of weeks, I had this bowl that was kind of okay. It wasn't like a really nice bowl or a special bowl and it was a little bit twangy, but you know, it was, so I was like, maybe I should get you a really nice bowl because mm. this is continuing. So I went online. I'd never heard of sound healing. I knew that Tibetan bowls were used for meditation, but I'd never heard of sound healing. And I just Googled something like, you know, Tibetan bowls for healing. <laughs> And it came right away, this site came up about this American Tibetan Buddhist monk who was coming through Denver like a week from then to teach about Himalayan bowl sound healing. So I was like, well, hello, sign me up. So I went and I was like, well, this obviously is no accident, you know. And I took the, it was like a three-day course. We learned so much. And, a, and he is a person who... Um, his name is Richard Rudis. He still lives, he's based in Southern California. He um, still travels all around. He gives mostly gong baths now, but he is um, a Buddhist monk and has traveled to Tibet, Nepal, and Bhutan for many, many, many years and has relationships with families and people and monastery there and has collected old bowls for a long time in a very ethical, mm -hmm. kind, and fair way. So I came home with many bowls from the first <laughs> workshop because I can't just come home from, with one bowl, of course. I had to come home with many bowls because then I saw the potential of what this could be. I was starting to see the potential. And I laid them out. The first day I came home, I laid them out in the living room in like a semicircle. And Jasper came right over and kind of, you know, sniffed and looked at each bowl. 
And I was like, you just tell me what you want. You just show me what you want. And he laid in the middle of the bowls, just stretched out on his back, just laid right in the middle of them. And I just started playing all the bowls. And I would just watch his reaction or his response. And I would let him guide me. If he seemed to like one bowl a lot, I would stay there for a while. And I would just listen to him, like let him guide me. And when he was done, he would again just get up and kind of yawn and stretch and kind of walk away. And so I did this with him over those next few months while he was still in the healing process. And then at some point, you know, he always loved the bowls, but he didn't seem to need the bowls so much. So I took most of them to my office and started offering them during bodywork sessions. I, would, I was just exploring how that would work on the table, off the table, I didn't know. And I had a few clients who just really, really, really loved it. Mm-hmm. So again, I let them be my teachers and I would just let them guide me. And I was just learning so much about what they were doing before I really even studied very much like written. I still haven't studied that much written stuff about Tibetan sound healing. Yeah. So then um, I was also, so then after that I I started using them in different ways and Yoga Nidra came in and, but sound healing started then. I would say my cat was my original teacher. I love that. For sure. Since I've had many other human teachers, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so curious because you talk about your cat in this instance, um, I'm sure was giving you some, you know, physical signs of, I want this bowl and I want that bowl. And in a session, maybe first for somebody who might not picture it. um, So you're on a massage table, there's beautiful bowls around. I mean, in general, it's just the most beautiful space ever. You have to go see Cindy. (laughs) Um, And so there's an element of touch and through massage and uh, sound healing and Reiki. One of my experiences that I remember was this craziest experience um, that I've told you about, which happened in October 20 in a super short time that you were able to reopen before having to close again due to the pandemic. Um, and it was with the experience of gongs. And so I remember like when I was thinking of, Oh, I'm going to session with Cindy sound healing was a part of it. Gongs for some reason didn't, it wasn't something that I remembered. I don't know if we had played them in previous sessions or not. But so in this session, I remember that you started playing this gong and I got dragged to the bottom of the ocean, but like a really powerful force. And then while I was there, I remember there was a bunch of black ink like oozing out of me as if I was an octopus or something. And then I got thrown onto the beach. It was this crazy vision and it was really, it felt really harsh. And then I remember I could connect with the fact that there was quiet in the room and I had this longing for going back to whatever was in there in the depth of the ocean and I remember you played again and I felt went right back at the bottom of the ocean this time though it was even though it was still harsh and strong it was much more loving and then when I came back onto the shore it was like as if the waves were carrying me out on the shore as opposed to the first time where I was just really kind of thrown out of there and then I remember being like okay that's all I that's all I needed and so when the session finished uh and you told me you know I was uh, gonna finish the session but then the gong just really wanted to be there and then I thought it was done but it just asked to be you know played again and I know that that's the moment where I felt like I needed to go back there and I'm just so curious like going back to, you know, your cat was physically showing you that. In this case, how do you sense that? Like, how did you feel that I, that I needed that again? It's so interesting to put that into words. Yeah. Um, I've learned over the years to really trust my intuition. Just trust. Yeah. So... When I'm working with someone, I certainly have a toolbox of skills where I've learned things cognitively and I know what, what does what and what's good for what and things like that. But I've also learned to really let go of that at the same time and really use intuition because maybe there's also knowledge, for sure, there's also knowledge within these sound healing instruments and all the techniques I've learned that I may not be aware of. 
yeah. at the cognitive level. There's much. There's a lot of power in all of these modalities and in the sound healing tools that I can't possibly know at all on the cognitive level. Right. I'm always learning. I'm always discovering more. So I've learned to trust the intuition that the sound healing, the sound itself is doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And that I don't need to know all that it's doing. Right. That the sound itself is taking care of it. So I've learned to trust more in how does this feel right now for the person on the table? Yeah. Does it feel like that's enough? Is there more? Is there something else? Mm. Is the silence what's important? Yeah. Mm. So just tuning in so much. I think Reiki was a big teacher for me in in allowing me to not feel like I have to do something all the time. Mm -hmm. We're such a culture of doers, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, as someone who works with people in healing, if we, sometimes we feel a pressure to do, to do something. Mm -hmm. We want to help them. Right. We want to help. And often we want to do something to help. (laughs) It's natural. And I find that usually that means I'm trying too hard, Mm -hmm. that I'm too much in my head. And usually that's the time to take a breath or two and come back into just that presence and that being. So with sound healing, it's the same. I'm usually allowing myself to be guided by the person who's receiving, by their energy. I'm, I'm looking and I'm observing and I'm seeing. I'm using that skill, but I'm not trying to decide what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. And if I start to feel like I am going into my head, into my brain too much, like well, we could do this and we could do that and this would be good for this condition. I take a breath yeah. and I come back to the feeling, the note, like letting things be. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I'm just guided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oftentimes before a session, for a long time I did this almost every session. Now I think it's just a part of me, but for years and years I had this image of one of my guides in session is like um, an owl is with me all the time. An owl is one of my um, guiding animal wisdoms for me. And I would imagine before a session that I had an owl kind of sitting above my head with the wings kind of all down around me. And I would just come back into my heart right before a session mm-hmm. and say, just, just show me the way. Mm-hmm. Just show me the way. And that was my way of checking in with my own intuition and knowing that it's not all up to me to figure it all out yeah. in a session, you know, yeah. to just go with what's right in the moment. So the sound healing is the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever I'm doing, that's, yeah. that's underlying everything. And it's such a relief to not feel like I have to figure it all out for the person because <laughs> I can't anyway yeah. or that I'm not responsible for doing or fixing or yeah. you know that healing is that process that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I really love that and it's something that I really learned throughout our um, the training I did with you because I had heard in the past that you have to be a conduit for the energy and that kind of gives you the responsibility as if, you know, you need to change or fix that person as opposed to the way you taught me, which is really, you know, to be present and to hold the space, but actually that the responsibility, and and I think also, especially as wounded healers, we can have a desire to fix and want to have that responsibility and desire to just help somebody heal or heal somebody but actually it's much more empowering and true to give that responsibility to the person on the table, right? It is in their power to be able to heal themselves because they do have that power within themselves. Exactly. And it's so much more empowering than going to that white coat doctor who's going to be like, here's the way, here's the deal. This is how you have to do it. Right. It, it kind of starts from a place of assuming that we are all whole. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. 
I keep learning over and over is so very important mm -hmm. for all of us to yeah. feel, to experience that sense. Yeah. And to me, it comes back to that feeling of everything is okay. Yeah. I'm working on these things. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm exploring. I'm challenged. I'm all the things and every part of it is okay. Yeah. To have that sense amidst all of that is really powerful. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people listening feel that way. So I know you brought a few things. I did. Shall we try and give people a little experience of what sound healing is? <laughs> Absolutely. A little taste of some, some sound healing. Um, well, first of all, sound healing is all around us. We don't need tools for sound healing. Sound is in nature. You know, the flutter of the leaves on the trees the sound of the birds, the sound of the wind. Sound healing is always within us, the sound of our own breath, mm. right? So just because we say sound healing and we have these wonderful, beautiful instruments and there's music, which is also sound healing, there's a reason why we connect with this and there's a reason why it feels good to be immersed in sound and vibration. And it's because everything is sound and vibration everything in existence is that whether we can see it or not our thoughts have vibration too so i brought with me today just a couple of wind chimes um, some of you may be familiar with these um, these are called zaphir chimes they're made in france <laughs> and they have different tunings to them so i brought one that is called sun ray because that reminded me of you mosley <laughs> And one that is called Blue Moon, because I do resonate a lot with the moon's energy. Um, so I thought we could just play them a little bit together. And um, we can just take a moment, a couple of minutes, to just experience the sound mm -hmm. and check in with ourselves and just feel whatever it is that we feel with no agenda. Just seeing what we experience. So first, maybe just together, we'll take a couple of slower, deeper breaths. Just inhaling and exhaling. And again, breathing in and letting go. so beautiful it's my first time actually um yeah i've never held a wind chime before it's just so beautiful to see all the different sounds that it can make and yeah thank you so much oh it's my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> so i do want to go back to the story of the gongs and how this one in particular was connected to sedna because it was such a mind-blowing experience when I learned. Um, but yeah, I'll let you explain how that all works. Right. So part of the sound healing that um, I've been called to learn and study more of is called acutonics. Acutonics is a whole system of healing. And it was developed by acupuncturists, astronomers, and astrologers. Um, and there's two, two women who really are the teachers of this sound in New Mexico that really developed this 
amazing women and I have two amazing women teachers for this too one in Colorado and one here in the Bay Area um, and this sound healing is based on the frequency of all of the planets in our solar system so each planet in its orbit around the Sun has a certain frequency the Sun itself has a frequency the earth has a frequency the moon going around the Sun uh, going around <laughs> the moon going around the earth has a frequency and there are um, certain mathematicians, astronomers, have they know how to figure out what that vibration is mathematically and then bring it down into the zone in which we can hear it with our ears. But years and years ago, the, the time of Galileo and Pythagoras, they used to talk about being able to hear the music of the spheres. They said that they could hear the vibration of the planets in the solar system. Wow. So it's been thought and talked about for many, many, many years. And of course it's true. So the astronomers know how to bring the frequency down into the range where we can hear it. And the acupuncturists and astrologers said, let's make a tuning fork for this specific vibration, which brings in all the qualities of that planetary energy. And all of these vibrations are within us already. We are made of all the same stuff as everything in the universe. So when we start to use these vibrations therapeutically, we have an effect on the body. And, and this, it's like talking to the body in its own language, the language mm -hmm. of frequency and vibration. Yeah. So for instance, the vibration of the new moon, the moon in general, is nurturing, nourishing, it's about water, it's about flow, it's about our emotions, it's the mother, it's the yin quality. It has to do with our heart and chest, but also our digestion. Yeah, so that would be an example of the moon's energy. The sun's energy, we already know this. I mean, it's so easy, it's so clear, but the vibration itself, it's about warmth. It's about activation, it's the yang, it's like the balanced masculine energy in the universe. So it has to do with our solar plexus, our own inner sun. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the qualities, there's qualities that go along with the vibration. So this is how we can use the, the sound and the vibration of a planetary energy therapeutically as, as we would know, does this area need something cooling? Does this area need something warming and activating? Mm -hmm. And then we can further tune that to like acupuncture points and meridians. So really working with specific energies in the body. So when we get, so that uses tuning forks, but then there's planetary tuned gongs. So gongs have a much bigger vibration. Tuning forks have a much smaller uh, frequency, a higher frequency. So the vibration is faster. Gongs have a lower frequency and the wave is slower. So they move through our body in a bigger way, a slower way, but they can really help us break up old patternings, mm -hmm. old things that are hold, held in our cells. It can help really break that up and loosen it up. The Sedna Gong that you were talking about. Sedna is a planet in our solar system past Pluto, so quite far out there. Um, I think she was discovered in 2003. Um, one of the men who discovered her is here in California, I think at um, Stanford. And so whenever a new planet or planetary body is discovered, the astronomers take that to before this committee that names planetary bodies. Oftentimes they keep their numerical name but if it seems like a big enough planet that it needs to be really included in our solar system as a planet that we know of, they come forward with a name. Astronomers usually try to name these things based on when they were discovered into our consciousness. So they say the planet was birthed into our consciousness at the time that it was discovered by us. Obviously it was probably there before, but we just learned about it. So it's like the birth date of this planet for us. Many of the planets, of course, are named after like Roman and Greek gods and goddesses. So this man went to the committee and said, based on when this planet was discovered, 2003, what's happening in human consciousness at this point? We are experiencing 
an ecological and environmental emergency. Planetarily speaking, we need to start to save our planet and we need to change our consciousness around this. So why would a new planet come into our awareness now? What would be the message of a planet doing that? So he said, I think we should name this planet after the Inuit goddess who lives at the bottom of the Arctic Ocean. Her name is Sedna. And Sedna's message to the Inuit, to the people, to her people, was you must take care of, of the oceans, of the waters of the earth, so that I can provide you with food and sustenance. You must take care of me so that I can take care of you. We support each other. So the greater message of that is, of course, you must take care of the earth or the earth cannot support you. So he proposed to the committee that we need to name this planet Sedna. And they agreed. <laughs> and there was a little controversy, I guess, because um, usually there's a little more pomp and circumstance around it and like a protocol to go through. But I think that it was named really quickly, mm. but it, it stuck. So. This is part of the message of Sedna, the vibration of Sedna. The other message about Sedna, there's a whole um, archetypal story about her and its essence is one of that of releasing victim consciousness, mm. which we all have to some degree or another. We feel like something has happened to us where we've been disempowered and that we are victims. So there is a whole aspect to the vibration of Sedna based on her archetypal myth that helps us release victim consciousness. Sedna had some really bad things happen to her. Um, it's a very long story, so I'll just summarize. She had some bad things happen to her where she ended up falling from a boat into the bottom of the Arctic Ocean where she now lives and resides and her fingers were cut off to do so. And instead of, she realized that she was the only one that had the power to pick herself up and continue to live and to live with joy and to create a new life from her trauma. So she, from her trauma, she took all of the cuts off, cut off parts of her fingers and created all of the deep sea mammals the whales, the dolphins, the walrus, the sea lions. She created new life out of her trauma. And so her message is that we always have the power to heal. Not that we forget what happened to us, not that it didn't happen, not that there isn't pain and challenge in what we have experienced, but that we are learning to find our power and our life and our joy to move forward mm -hmm. and create something new. So she has a really amazing message for us in the vibration mm -hmm. of her. So I find Sedna quite powerful. It can be that kind of tough, mm -hmm. um, kind of extreme sense of being pulled down, which is an amazing experience that you had such a clear vision mm -hmm. that you had of being literally pulled to the bottom of the ocean without having heard anything about Sedna before. Yeah. I find that when Sedna shows up for a person in that way, she shows up with power and force, power and force, but also great love and compassion. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's really what I felt. And actually there's so many things that you said about her today that are new that I had never heard before and that really resonate and yeah, it's making me want to learn more. There's always, there's always more to learn. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. It's really interesting because I'm pretty sure that Sedna has showed up in every session that we've had together since then. And yeah, it just makes so much sense. I feel so connected to the ocean and to the mammals of the ocean. And yeah, it's really beautiful. So yes, I have a Sedna gong because to me, Sedna, when I learned about Sedna also, I felt that she was extremely important for me as yeah. well. Um, resonates very much with I think my practice and what mm -hmm. what I feel healing is all about mm -hmm. she's not the only thing that resonates but she's a big part yeah 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 I especially love the part about healing in that you don't necessarily 
forget what happened and that stays with you, but you can still continue to move on and live a beautiful life. In fact, if what happened didn't happen, you wouldn't be the same person and you wouldn't be able to create the way each individual uniquely can create something new from from what they've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I know. We we always could sit and talk for hours, couldn't we? (laughs) Yes. Yes, we'll definitely have to do a part two because there's still so many topics we didn't even get into. Um, I couldn't finish this first episode, though, without talking about the most special day ever that we've shared, which is the day that you held space and officiated our wedding. So people have obviously heard my version of the story here. Um, But yeah, I'm curious to kind of hear what that was like for you. And, you know, just it was such a beautiful you have such a beautiful talent, a beautiful way to hold space. There was a few people that uh, we spoke to at the reception after who, you know, are very traditional, used to very traditional weddings. And we're just saying that it was the best ceremony they've ever been to. And um, it, really, it really was speaking from a space of, wow, Cindy did this amazing job really holding space for you guys. And there were so many moments throughout it where I felt like, if it had been anybody else or I don't know, you, you have this ability to just be like, Hey, we're here. Like where I wouldn't, I don't know, think about what's next or (laughs) react in a certain way when somebody falls on my dress or all the crazy little things that can happen. Um, so thank you. It was really, really so beautiful. Well, first of all, I just want to say how incredibly honored and happy I am and I was that you invited me to do that, to be part of your amazing day. <laughs> I, I was completely surprised when you asked me. As you know, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah. I, I had never done anything like that before. So I'm honored that you entrusted me with that. And yeah. secondly, I just want to say that you and Raul absolutely, you already knew pretty much everything that you wanted in your ceremony. Mm -hmm. So my part in it was extremely simple, (laughs) extremely simple. Mm -hmm. Um, So so I just want to acknowledge that, that you guys really had done so much work and and loved each other so much and Mm -hmm. really put together and crafted the ceremony that you wanted. Mm -hmm. All that was left for me was like you said, really was to hold space, Mm -hmm. to be a container Mm -hmm. and and a little bit to provide like a little bit of structure around how the ceremony went. Yeah. That's it. And to be that person, that steady person mm-hmm. standing there with you mm-hmm. so that you could be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in that way, it didn't feel all that different from all the things that I do in my work. Yeah. Right? Right. Body work and, and teaching meditation and holding space in that way. Honestly, in the end, I was like, well, this is just another version of that. Yeah. Completely. Holding space with love and joy. Mm, yeah. For two people I love. <laughs> two amazing beautiful. people. Mm-hmm. And all of your extended family and friends that were there. I mean, the day was so beautiful. And that's mm-hmm. all because of what you guys created. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just felt incredibly joyful and so honored to, to, to be there. And to be a part was very special for me. Mm-hmm. A very special moment in my life and it made me think back so much to my own wedding of course and yeah. how uh, my uncle actually officiated our ceremony my husband in our ceremony and and that I felt the same way about him because I just trusted him mm. and loved him and he was such a calming presence for us as well yeah so I was inspired by him in this way yeah. you know like he was he was with me a little bit there too yeah yeah. So sweet. Yeah, very sweet. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, the day was the day was very beautiful because mm-hmm. it was exactly what you wanted and more. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a part two coming, guys. <laughs> but um in the meantime, where can people find you if they're interested in your sound healing or Reiki or Yoga Nidra, um, yeah, how can people get in touch? 
Um, well, I have a website, which is like the best way to connect with me because you can email me right from there. Yeah, we'll add the links at the end here. The website is a great way to just get acquainted with a little bit of my work. And um, if you're curious, you can shoot me an email and we can discuss and see if it's something that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Certainly you can, if you're local or you're in town and you want to come see me in person, you can come see me in my space in San Francisco. Um, I also teach a meditation and sound healing online. So it, all the details are on my website about that. And I also do private sessions for that. You can be in person or you can be remote, so you can be anywhere. And mm -hmm. I do energy healing sessions remotely as well, energy and sound healing. And I'm also, I have some recordings that are on demand and they're on patreon.com as well. So all the details are on the website. That's yeah. the easiest way. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things that came out of the pandemic. Um, I love the Patreon and being able to have on-demand yoga nidra. Um, lately, every time that I need a nap, I just do that instead. And it's another thing that really helps me letting go in a way that, yeah, sleeping or other tools don't. So it's pretty awesome. I'm so grateful too because yoga nidra is so accessible with an audio recording. Yeah unlike a lot of other kinds of yoga, which you really want to see someone, you right. know, I think it's perfect to do at home, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, in the comfort of your bed. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Cindy, thank you so, so, so much. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure and an honor, and we'll definitely have to do a part two and beyond. I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And guys, we'll add all the links and everything in the show notes. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this beautiful, beautiful episode of the show. And I'll see you next week. For this week's well-being tip of the week, I would love to encourage you to connect to sound healing, whatever is accessible in nature. Whether you're hearing the birds chirping because it's spring and they're coming out, Maybe you're hearing the sirens because you live in a big city. Whatever it is, are you able to still hear the wind? Maybe at least the sound of your breath. Just really connecting to that sound healing that Cindy gave us a glimpse of. And noticing what comes up. Noticing maybe if there's awareness or yeah, a different kind of listening. A different kind of hearing that comes with sitting, being quiet, and connecting to the sounds around us. All right, guys. Thanks again. Remember to rate and review the show if you're enjoying it, and I'll talk to you next week.